Well, tonight, like I said uh, a little earlier, we're going to go ahead and tweak the uh, and uh, deviate from our normal series uh, from from the creation to the cross and uh, do something a little different tonight because of the fact that tomorrow is the 4th of July. And so if you would take your Bible and turn to Psalm chapter 11, Psalm 11 and verse number uh, 3, and uh, we can go ahead and remain seated because it is just one verse tonight. I'll go ahead and read it and then, um, and then we'll go ahead and pray. Uh, psalm 11 and verse number 3, here this is a, a psalm of David, and in verse number 3 of Psalm 11 it says, If the foundations be destroyed... What can the righteous do? If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? And let's pray one more time together tonight. Lord, thank you for allowing us to be here in your house. Lord, I pray that you would uh, guide and direct our thoughts tonight as uh, we try to answer this question that David asked so many years ago. Lord, as it applies to America in the country in which we live, in the day in which we're in right now, I pray, Lord, you'd give us wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, uh, there is absolutely no doubt that you and I are extremely blessed to live in the greatest country in all the world, amen? Uh, We enjoy as Americans uh, freedoms and prosperity that people living in other countries can only dream of. I believe, obviously, that we have the world's strongest military defense, and for those who had a part in serving in that, thank you. I believe we have the most religious freedom of all countries in the world. And I believe we have the unmatched opportunities to pursue life, liberty, and happiness. God has greatly indeed blessed our nation over the years as we were founded primarily on religious freedom. Yes, we live in the greatest nation on planet Earth, but I'm reminded of uh, something that Alex de Tocqueville uh, once said. He was a French philosopher who came to America to see what America so great uh, in the 1830s. And um, he was credited with saying this, I I sought for the key to the greatness and genius of America in her harbors, in her fertile fields and boundless forests, in her rich mines and vast world commerce, in her public school system and institutions of learning. I sought for it for it in her democratic congress and in her matchless constitution but not until i went into the churches of america and heard the her pulpits flame with righteousness did i understand the secret of her genius and power and then he said and this is his famous quote america is great because america is good and if america ever ceases to be good america will cease to be great I'm afraid that as each day passes, our nation as a whole is becoming less and less good. We continue as a nation to champion murder and parade wickedness in our streets. It's obviously very grieving to me as a believer, and I'm sure to many of you. But most of all, I know it grieves the heart of God who blessed us so much at the very beginning. I want us to consider a couple glaring examples from our culture today. First of all, abortion, which is the murder of the unborn. Since 1973, there have been 60.9 million babies aborted 
since 1973 when it was legalized here in America. And if you were here several months ago, I shared this particular statistic back in November, and it was 60.1 million. So 800,000 babies have been aborted since November of 2018. And of course, most of them due to an unwanted pregnancy. Uh, These were not cases of rape or uh, instances where the mom is, uh, life's at risk. Um, It was just simply, we can't afford another baby. Uh, We weren't planning on having a baby. We, we, uh, this, we need to get rid of it. We need to do something. Well, according to Planned Parenthood, and by the way, I was uh, surfing through their website a little bit today, and I got to tell you, it's creepy. Um, it's really satanic to to have to see this stuff. I mean, it is so contrary to what we believe as as Christians. Um, it is it is unbelievable that people actually believe this stuff, and and uh, unfortunately, more and more people are believing it. Uh, here's what they had to say in one page on their website. Um, and uh, they were feeling attacked by those recent in recent days uh, trying to ban abortions uh, at certain um, periods of of the pregnancy. And they said the attacks and deceptions continue. But here's the truth: abortion is health care. They say. And go ahead and put this next slide up here, brother. It says nearly a fourth of women in America, will have an abortion by age 45. Every day, people across the United States make deeply personal decisions about their pregnancies, and those decisions deserve respect. Wow. A fourth of women in America will have an abortion by age 45. Amazing. Also, according to Planned Parenthood, here's the next uh, statistic I want to show you. 73% of Americans don't want to see Roe versus Wade overturned. They and this is this is not a, an old statistic. This is not even a month old. So it's super sad that almost three fourths of our country think it's okay to brutally murder the unborn. As Isaiah said about Israel, it certainly applies to America in 2019. Woe unto them that call evil good and good, evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Exclamation point, Isaiah puts on that. Another tragic example is the rise of the LGBTQ community in the last 50 years, particularly in the last 15 years. Consider this in 2004, and this really kind of hits home to us because in 2004 we had our very first child. Seth was born in 2004. But this was a landmark year for, the, for this particular community because on May 17th in 2004, Massachusetts became the first United, uh, U.S. state and the sixth jurisdiction in the world to legalize same-sex marriage following the Supreme Judicial Court's decision in Goodrich versus Department of Public Health um, six months earlier. So that happened in 2014, and by 
2014, just 10 short years later, same-sex marriage had become legal in states that contained more than 70% of the United States population. So they acted, and they acted quick, this community did. And finally, four years ago, on June 26, 2015, the United States Supreme Court struck down all state bans on same-sex marriage, legalized it in all 50 states, and required states to honor out-of-state same-sex marriage licenses in the case of Obergefell versus Hodges. And now, of course, the overwhelming majority of Americans totally support gay marriage and treat it as a completely normal lifestyle. I'd like to show a couple slides real quick. First of all, in 2007, this was the public support for same-sex marriage. Um, The support there is in green, and and there was 37% in 2007. So this is three years after Massachusetts became uh, the first state to legalize same-sex marriage. And uh, just, just over a third of our nation was in support of same-sex marriage. Fast forward 10 years, look at the shift. 62% in 2017 now support same-sex marriage. We even paraded out on our streets in absolute mockery toward the holy God of the Bible, totally undermining traditional marriage designed by God in the Garden of Eden between a man and a woman so many years ago. Now, tonight is not about why and all the reasons why both abortion and the LGBTQ movement is against God. Um, We don't have time for that tonight although I will preach more on these issues at a later day. But for now, suffice it to say, there are glaring problems in our culture here in the land of the free and the home of the brave. The Bible says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom He hath chosen for His own inheritance. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. I'm deeply saddened this evening to report to you that America is no longer a nation whose God is the Lord. I'm thankful for the remnant and the fact that there are 7,000 prophets who have not bowed their knee to Baal, and I know that we're not the only ones, I get that, but by and large, our nation is not a nation whose God is the Lord anymore. No, we are a nation whose God is the individual. We have become a, a Burger King country the have-it-your-way society. We are like Israel in the book of Judges, where it described the nation as every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And notice it didn't say they did that which was wrong. They really believed that they were doing right, but it was all in their own eyes. They were the judge. They were the God who decided what was right instead of the God of the Bible. And this describes perfectly our, our country today. See, we unfortunately care more about tolerating everyone, except for the Lord Himself, the one who truly gave us our freedom in the very first place. As a culture, we want to cast Him out of our society altogether. And this started way back when we tried to get Him... Uh, put prayer out of the schools and the Bible out of schools and all of that. 
The ultimate agenda was to get God out of our culture. We don't need God. And yet, the reason we were so blessed was because we did honor God. And now we're at the point even where godly Christians are now the ones being discriminated against. There's a quote that Abraham Lincoln said. He said, America will never be destroyed from the outside. If we falter and lose our freedoms, it will be because we destroyed ourselves. Brothers and sisters, what we are, what we are watching right before our eyes is our country self-destruct, in self-destruction. It's happening right before our eyes. Every time we turn on the news, every time we look at our phone to check the news, we're watching headlines that indicate we are in self-destruction mode. David in Psalm chapter 11 and verse number 3 asks this question in our text. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? And so tonight I want to ask, answer the question, America. What's a Christian to do when it comes to America? What should our response be to the rapidly shifting culture away from God? Should we run for the mountains and hide until Jesus comes? Well, that may seem like a tempting option, doesn't it, at times? Or should we be obnoxious on social media with politically charged posts? Biblically, what should our response be to the fact that Our foundations are being destroyed right before our eyes as a nation. What can the righteous do? Uh, Tonight I want to share four action items that should be part of us, uh, part of our lives as believers, as uh, biblicists. So biblically, what should our response be? Well, I want to share with you, first of all, number one, be conformed to Christ, not culture. Be conformed to Christ, not culture. One major danger that we have in living in a shifting culture like that, like we are living in today, is that we also shift along with it. And yet we are encouraged in the Word of God as God's people to be conformed to Christ, not culture. And I realize that it's easier to conform to something you see versus someone you don't see physically with your eyes. It's, it's a lot easier to kind of go with the flow of what we see in the mainstream media versus a God that is invisible, a God that we cannot see with our eyes. And yet consider some of these biblical charges here. In Romans chapter 12 and verse number 1, Paul says to the church at Rome, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And then he says, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. He tells us, look, don't be conformed to the culture. Be conformed to Christ not culture. And in Romans 8 and 29, he says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And what he's saying in that verse is that 
One of God's plans and will for our lives is that we would be conformed to the image of Christ. And then later, uh, three or four chapters later, we find that we're not to be conformed to this world, to the culture around us. Titus, Paul tells Titus, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. So as the culture is, the current of culture is moving this way, we need to be counterculture and uh, be conformed to the image of Christ and live godly in this present world. It can be done. And it should be done. That's Titus 2.12 if you're wanting to jot that down and look it up later. 1 Peter 2.9. Peter here, he agrees with this concept and he says, in 1 Peter 2.9, ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people. Now, as I look across this crowd tonight, it's quite peculiar. But I'm not just talking about our looks tonight. I'm talking about the fact that we're to live a different life than what the culture around us is living. The problem is, we do live in a day where even Christians are blending in with the world. They don't want to stick out and be noticed. They want to fit in. To be honest, all of us want to fit in. We don't want to be thought of as weird and out of touch with culture, a square peg in a round hole, and yet that's how we need to be, especially when culture is against God like it is. Someone might say, well, that's kind of extreme. Well, consider what James has to say about all this. James chapter 4, verse 4, he doesn't mince any words here. He doesn't hold back on what uh, he means by all of this. James 4, 4 says, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Ouch. That's not very politically correct, James. That doesn't quite fit in with the seeker-sensitive movement, James. So what James is saying is, we need to make our choice who our friend is going to be. Are we going to be a friend of the world, or are we going to be the friend of God? Because you can only be one. You cannot be both. You think about Noah for a second. Noah was living in a day that was very wicked, filled with violence, the Bible says. Uh, The thoughts of their hearts was only evil continually, and we talked about that a few weeks ago on a Wednesday night. And yet Noah and his family chose to live counterculture. They didn't just go with the flow and culture said, do something, they did it. No, they were different. As a result, they found grace in the eyes of the Lord and they were saved from the flood, from the destruction. Compare his situation with Lot and his family. Remember Lot and how he pitched his tent towards Sodom? Because, boy, it looked like the right place to raise a family. I mean, there is prosperity there in Sodom. I mean, the economy is booming and, boy, it just seems like I could give my kids all the things they want and all the things they need. Boy, it seems like 
the right place to raise my family. Uh, it doesn't really matter what type of lifestyle is being emphasized in Sodom and Gomorrah. It doesn't matter. We can kind of, you know, uh, pick out the bones, so to speak, and, and, and uh, take the good and leave out the bad. Well, that may have worked for day one, but day 3,000, when he was sitting in the gates with the other elders... Um, things began to really make a difference in his life. And he was, instead of changing culture, he was being changed himself. And so here Noah wasn't going to change with culture, but Lot did change with culture. The more time he spent around the wrong crowd, the more he was influenced by them. And so I want to encourage us as believers when it comes to what are we supposed to do in this day and age here in America? First of all, be conformed to Christ, not culture, in several areas. First of all, our value system. Let's not get our value system from the media. Let's not get our value system from the sitcoms that are out there and, and, and the entertainment that's out there. Let's get our values from the Word of God that never changes uh, be conformed to Christ in our values, in our entertainment, the, the things that we watch and the things that we consume. Making sure that we're conformed to Christ, not culture in those, in, our, in the fashion of this world, um, in, in our vocabulary, uh, in our mentality. It's, it's easy to get into this culture and let it affect the way we think. And, and don't, don't, don't have this idea, it's not going to happen to me. Because all of us are susceptible to it, and we've got to make sure that we're guarding our hearts and that we're being conformed to the image of Christ, not culture. So what's a Christian to do here in America in 2019 with the culture going the way it's going? Well, it's going to be a little harder to do this, but we need to be conformed to Christ, not culture. Secondly, we need to pray for our leaders. Most of us would probably have guessed this one if you were to say, if I were to say, hey, what, what, what do you think Christians should do here in America? I think most of us would come to this point eventually and uh, guess this one. But this one really cannot be missed. And this one cannot be overstated. Look, if, if, if you're guilty of complaining with the direction of our nation and you're not praying for your leaders, you're really part of the problem. First Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1 says this, I exhort therefore that first of all, complaining should be made for the direction of your government. No, that's not what it says. I exhort therefore that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority that we may live Lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and come into the knowledge of the truth. So we're told here that we need to be praying for our leaders here in, in America. James 4.17 reminds us, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Oh, does that, does it, that, that means everything but this, right? 
No, it certainly applies here as well. Look, we need to be reminded, um, boys, we hear some of these statistics and see some of this stuff. I, I, I don't know about you, but I'm tempted to get a little upset. Um, but we need to be reminded that this is not a battle against the left or the right or against a certain political party or a politician at all. It's not a battle against a movement. It's not a battle against the LGBTQ or whatever other letter community. It's not a, it's not a battle against Planned Parenthood or any other organization. It really is a spiritual war that we are going through here in America. I think a lot of people think it's us versus them. No, it, there's a spiritual war going on in our nation. There is no question. Paul tells us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Since it's not a war against flesh and blood, we cannot use the same means. We cannot fight this war with worldly means. Look, this war must be fought on our knees. Because it is a spiritual war, and so we need to fight it spiritually. And we do this through prayer. You and I, as believers, need to be much in prayer for our government leaders. Rather than posting politically charged articles to your social media platforms, I would encourage you to spend the time and energy praying for our leaders instead. Because really you're going to accomplish much more through prayer than through sharing an article on whatever platform you use. And then after you pray, then go ahead and post away. But make sure you are praying first. Because posting is not going to solve anybody's problems. It's not going to solve the social woes that we have here in America, but praying could and will. So pray for our leaders. Thirdly, vote according to biblical principles. Vote according to biblical principles. Proverbs 29.2 is the key verse here. When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. And here in America, we have been given the privilege and the responsibility as citizens to vote. And if the righteous or if the wicked beareth rule and you didn't vote, you're partly to blame. So don't buy and don't buy into the mentality that your vote doesn't matter. I, I read an article that describes several elections all over the world throughout history that were decided by just simply one vote. And I realize that probably the presidential election in 2020 will not be decided by one vote. I get that. But if a million people think, and my vote doesn't matter, that could make the difference. See, it's our privilege and responsibility. It's not just simply a, I can vote. It's, I should vote. And as, a, as an American, we need to have that mentality and teach that even to our children and grandchildren. As a believer, this is a powerful way to let your voice be heard. No, I let my voice be heard on social media. 
How many people really have you changed because of the posts that you have on social media? I hope that maybe you're an encouragement and you're sharpening other believers in the posts that you have. But for the people who don't agree with you, I don't think a post is going to completely change their world. I could be wrong, and if you have a story, I'd love to hear about it after church. But voting has a way of making a real difference. And I would encourage you to do that. And I realize that there's a host of issues, and most of the time when choosing to vote, it, it's a really a choice of the lesser of two evils. Uh, I, I don't like those type of votes. They're not my favorite elections to vote in. But when it comes to biblical principles of the protection of the unborn and traditional marriage and biblical morality, these are non-negotiables. You always vote for them no matter what party they're in, no matter how popular they are. Uh, vote biblically. Vote according to biblical principles, not just, well, they're in my party, so I have to vote for them. Look, if they don't hold up these biblical principles, maybe you should find a different party. <laughs> or maybe you should find someone else that you can get behind and, and pill your head with a clean conscience because you voted according to biblical principles. Number four, uh, what, what, what's a Christian to do here in America? In this day and age, I'm just going to hunker down in my storm shelter until Jesus comes. That would not be very fun, would it? (laughs) We even bought one of those, a couple of uh, battery-powered fans. But I'm telling you, it still gets hot down there. I know it's tempting to sometimes shut yourself away from this culture and and, uh, hide and protect yourself. But that's not God's plan. Number four, be the salt and light. Matthew 5. These are the words of Jesus. Here's what he said. Ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? Well, it sends forth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Uh, That old song that we used to sing in Sunday school, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bush. Oh, no! I'm going to let it shine. There's a lot of Christians, I am telling you today in 2019, who are hiding it under a bushel. They don't really want to make it known that they're a believer because they're maybe afraid of some of the persecution that will come. But God wants us to let our light so shine before men that they may see our good works and not glorify us. No, glorify our Father which is in heaven. So how do we be the light in 2019? Well, first of all, we need to do that by our walk. Our our life needs to reflect the fact that we are different, that we belong to Jesus Christ. Proverbs 14 and verse 34 says, Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And I know we we want our nation to be righteous, but it's only going to be righteous as if we are individually righteous. We've been talking about that in, in our 
marks of a healthy church, right? We want our church to be this. The only way for our church to be this is if I'm this. If I have this attribute, if I have this particular characteristic in my life, and, and then hopefully you do too, and then, and then it could be present in our church. But we are to be the salt and light by our walk. Our, our life really needs to be the greatest and the loudest testimony of our life. Let your life be a testimony of the difference Christ can make in someone's life. Let people see Jesus in you and the change he's made in your life. And if you're walking around and you're acting just like the world, they're not going to see Christ in you. And if you're, but on the contrary, if, if you have this joy, even when you're going through times of difficulty and trial, people can't help but say, what is so different about you? I know you just got some bad news in your life, and yet you still have a smile on your face, and it's not fake. There's real joy in your heart. Why? And then that gives you an opportunity to tell them about the difference Christ has made in your life. The fact that you've been set free from your sin, and that you can have, and that you can rejoice in the Lord, as we're learning about in Philippians on Sunday mornings. So, be the salt and light by your walk, and then also by your words. By your words. Mark 16 and 15 says, He said unto them, Go ye all into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. The word preach means to declare. And I realize most of us, most of you in here tonight aren't going to get up and preach a sermon from this pulpit, but I'm telling you what's even probably more effective is if you go into your workplace and ask somebody about their relationship with God. And you have an opportunity to maybe talk to your neighbors or your family members or friends that you know or people that you see often in our community by speaking to them and giving them an opportunity to hear the gospel. Look, the greatest way we can change this culture is not by convincing someone their political beliefs are wrong. If you are successful, which is hard to be successful in this, if you were to convince one person that their political beliefs are wrong, have you really changed anybody's life? No, you have not. Maybe you have helped them see the, the right when it comes to maybe, let's say, abortion. But I'm telling you, it's the way we change this culture is not by convincing someone that their political beliefs are wrong. It's by giving them the life-changing message of the gospel. That's what's going to change this culture. Is people coming to Jesus Christ and Him changing them from the inside out. And they become new creatures. Look, people don't need a better political party. They need to be transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. So be the salt and light. Don't hide. Don't hide it under a bushel. Uh, We need to be out in this community. We need to be out in this culture uh, actively trying to be the salt and light, actively trying to live a life before men that is a good testimony of of the, the change that Christ has made in us. And then by our words where we're actually trying to talk to people about their relationship with God. In conclusion, as much as I love being an American... I'm also aware that doesn't mean that God likes me more because I live in the United States. 
I am patriotic. I do love living in America. But God is not an American. Now, we Americans don't get a special place in heaven because we live here. I love our country, but I'm a citizen of a better nation, a more important and eternal nation. It was Paul who reminded the Philippians, for our conversation is in heaven, not in America. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. More important than being an American is being a Christian. And yet we can indeed make a difference in our country by conforming to Christ, not culture. We can make a difference by praying for our leaders and fighting this spiritual warfare with spiritual weaponry, which is prayer. We can make a difference by voting according to biblical principles and by being the salt and light of the earth. So America, while it's not going the greatest direction that I wish it was going, what's a Christian to do? Well, here's four biblical things that we should be doing. We should be not conforming to culture, but be I'm sorry, conforming to Christ. We should be praying for our leaders on a regular basis. We should be voting according to biblical principles and by being the salt and light of the earth. Realize that if you have a secular job, that God has placed you in that job to be a missionary, not just to make money. God wants to use your witness and testimony and your life to be, a, be the salt and to be the light in that workplace. God has placed you in the neighborhood. He has placed you not just because it's a nice neighborhood to live in, but because He wants you to be the salt and light in that neighborhood. And so I want to encourage all of us to take heed to what we've learned tonight and I hope we have a great time tomorrow celebrating the 4th of July and the independence we do have and the freedom we enjoy here in America. But we also can't put our heads in the sand like an ostrich and pretend all is well here in America either. We need to understand that there are some real uh, concerns here in our nation. And I know most of us are aware of all of those. But here's a biblical action plan for us to go forward as... American Christians, Christian Americans, however you want to put it. Let's pray, and then we'll uh, get into some prayer requests. Lord, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for allowing us to live in the greatest country in the world. There is no question that's true. But as great as it is, Lord, it's not going the right direction. That's obvious by some of the things we talked about tonight. And Lord, I pray that you give us wisdom in the days ahead as believers to know how we should respond, to know uh, what kind of activity we should be doing. Lord, help us to emphasize more time on our knees versus more time arguing, more time trying to get out propaganda. Lord, help us to spend more time on our knees because this is a real spiritual battle that is taking place here in our nation. Lord, help us to be the salt and light. Help us, Lord, to... Um, Lord, to be faithful in our voting and be faithful to you in that. And help us, Lord, to not be conformed to this culture that is shifting so rapidly. Help us to be conformed to the image of Christ, which never does shift. And Lord, I pray that you give us wisdom in the days ahead. In Jesus' name, amen.